right, fantastic. Thank you so much for that. Wonderful. Really appreciate all the workers, all the volunteer hours they spent, and um, a lot of thought and effort was put into that. Really appreciate their service as well. Hey, there's something we sang earlier that kind of caught my eye as we were, as I was looking over the service that um, the songs Melanie had picked and some of the lyrics, and it's, fit us for heaven to live with thee there. As we're singing away in a manger, fit us for heaven. How do you know that you're being fit for heaven? A lot of thought is given to training for battle. A lot of thought is given to training for big games. A lot of thought is given for training for even marriage or parenting. How do you know you're being fit for heaven? Well, I'm going to suggest that a way you know from the Bible, a way you know that you're being fit for heaven is that you begin making better decisions. So this is what the Apostle Paul wrote about in Romans chapter 12 when he talked about how we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we're able to discern, so that we're able to make better decisions. Now, part of making better decisions is having the wisdom to unmake some old decisions. So I guess part of being fit for heaven and part of making better decisions is having the wisdom to undecide things. Have you ever had to undecide something? Have you ever had to go back and do a reverse course on something? So here's, you know, for me, I don't understand unless I can see it. So here's where, you know, my way of thinking would be this. I was going this way, and just kind of knowing that as I just thought about things and came to just some decisions, this is the w direction I was going. And then as I think about this, I think, okay, but that's not God's way. So there's, you find something out, and you find out it's God's way. But here's the thing. You haven't decided anything yet. You haven't grown yet, if this is all there is. You're not obedient yet. Just knowing, that's not, we're not there yet. The growth and the fit for heaven comes when we repeatedly, time after time, switch directions and reverse course. This is what we're going to see today in a couple different people's lives. As they are headed in a direction, they learn God's direction, and one of them will reverse course, and the other one won't. See if you can pick that up as we, as we read. And as I talk about that, I just invite you to think about your life. I mean, is there a direction you're headed that if you're being fit for heaven, you would say, hmm, that's not God's direction, and wisdom, if I'm following the Lord, would have me reverse course. I'd have you think about it, I ask that now, that the Holy Spirit would reveal that to you kind of as we go through the text this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we do ask that you would 
fit us for heaven by healing our deciders. Lord, that you would stand in front of me while I stand in front of them, that you would talk over me while I talk to them. Do this for our sake. Do this for your glory. Do this for the good of the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we are in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. You know this is, this is, Jesus has been called Christ several times by now. He is the Christ, the messianic king that was long awaited coming into the world. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. So we often think of the betrothal like our way of thinking of engagement. Okay, it was more intense than our version of engagement. And you'll see that as we go. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So where did Jesus come from? Yeah, the Holy Spirit. Not from Joseph is the point. And her husband, oh, hold on, hold on. I didn't, well, I'm telling you, engagements back then or betrothals back then were different than engagements now. So they would all be, already be thought of as husband and wife because it was like legally going to be accomplished. And so to undo it would be going through a divorce. So it was a very intense um, contract or document or uh, decision that, that they were engaged in. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame. So he's like, I know she's pregnant. It's not my kid. Uh, I can't go through with this because I'd be lying if I did. It just, it just isn't going to work. And so I'm just going to divorce her quietly and resolve to divorce her quietly. Again, divorce is not a term we would use for engagement, but their betrothal was more intense than our version of engagement. So when her husband Joseph, being a just man and willing to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Hey, remember when we started, we talked about how sometimes we have to unmake decisions? Sometimes wisdom would have us do a reversal. You remember that? So Joseph, he's decided. He's made up his mind to go in a direction. I'm going to get a divorce. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. Why is that important? Those of you who were with us last week, why is that important? That's right, so we can be in the family line of Jesus. So this is how Jesus will be legally part of the line of David, because Jesus will be adopted by Joseph. Fascinating in case I forget to say this later, Jesus came, if you can say it this way, from a blended family. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Very clear instructions. I've often been like trying to make decisions and wished an angel would show up and make it this clear for me. Haven't you? Like, okay, I don't even need an angel. Just send me an email. You know? Just make it clear, please. But I think, I think this is such a big decision that the Lord was like, yeah, he needs an angel for this one. Otherwise, he's not going to believe it. 
She will bear you a son, and you'll call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Hey, what is Jesus' mission statement right from the beginning of the book? That's right. He will save his people from their sins. Just right from the beginning of the book. He will save his people from their sins. All this took, took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So that phrase, uh, all this took place to fulfill, or especially fulfill what the Lord had spoken, you'll see that 11 times in the book of Matthew. It's a very important theme for Matthew that Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament. And so let's just stop. Why does Matthew bring this up at this point of this prophecy from Isaiah 7, 14? I think it will help just to go back and read a little bit from Isaiah chapter 7 just to see another decision that was made that really needed to be unmade. Hey, have you been thinking about that? What decision have you made that needs to be unmade? There's a decision that was made that needed to be unmade in Isaiah chapter 7. So, all the way back to Isaiah chapter 7 now. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, Brendan pointed out when we were reading this together that we just saw a bunch of those names in the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, Rezin, the king of Syria, so there's uh, Jerusalem is where the star is. You'll see some, the, other, the other spots on the map. Rezin, the king of Assyria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it. What's going on historically at this point is Assyria is this superpower in the north, uh, west, and they are coming over and annihilating and destroying everything. They're like this huge superpower coming and taking over and destroying. And so what? The northern kingdom, because by this time they split, and Syria want to do, these other two kings, they want to come in and put a puppet king in Jerusalem that will do what they tell him to, so they'll have another alliance against Assyria. That's a problem for Ahaz, because he doesn't want to be replaced by a puppet king. He wants to stay on the throne. But this is not his only problem. So when you look at Second Chronicles you find out that the other thing that was going on for him is this. At that time, king of Ahaz sent to the king of Assyria for help. Okay, so were the Judean kings, were they supposed to make alliances with other nations? No, they were not supposed to do that. But he does that because he has the two kingdoms in the north coming down and attacking him, but he also has the Edomites in the south, attacking him. So the Edomites had again invaded and defeated Judah and carried away captives. And he also has the Philistines attacking him. And the Philistines had made raids. He has problems everywhere. Everywhere. And this is when Isaiah comes to him. And Isaiah comes to him when he is checking out, he's up there on this pool and he's looking at 
the pool and he's trying to decide if there's enough water in there for him to withstand the siege that is coming down from the north. And he's trying to decide if he has enough resources to fight the people that are in the south, if they hasn't already fought or, or to keep fighting them off. They've already been fighting. It's hard, it's hard to know exactly how this happens in context, but we know that there's fighting all around him. And Isaiah comes to him and says, well, let me read it to you. Be careful. Be quiet. What are those next three words? Do not fear and do not let your heart be faint. Isaiah comes to him and says, Ahaz, do not give way to fear and go along with this unholy alliance. Do not give way to fear and make this terrible decision. Do not. And if you've already, if you're already headed down that path, then reverse course. And he says, look, the Lord is generous. The Lord knows that this is a really, really hard thing to decide. So what the Lord is going to do is he's going to give you a sign. He'll give you any sign you want. As high as heaven, as low as hell, you ask for anything you want to ask for. You can ask that you get, that you see an army destroyed, or you can ask that you give a hundred chariots, or you can ask that these things be, you can ask for whatever you want. And Ahaz says, you know, bro, I'm too spiritual to ask for a sign. You know why? Because he had already decided to make the alliance with Assyria. And I'm just telling you, remember our arrows that we started with? This was a decision that needed to be unmade. But he was unwilling to unmake it because he looked around him and saw how scary the situation was. And humanly speaking, Assyria was, in his mind, even though it was like playing in traffic, the last best hope he had. But here's the thing, the sign of Emmanuel then, when Isaiah says to him, well, you're going to get a sign, whether you want one or not, whether you ask him for one or not, you're going to get a sign, and it's going to be this, that a virgin will be with child, and she'll bear a son, and his name will be Emmanuel. And Isaiah is saying, here's a sign. God will be with you to judge you or to save you, but God will be with you. Judgment or salvation. And I think this is why Isaiah would, or why Matthew would quote Isaiah here and says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. God is with you. He's with you for judgment or salvation. But back then it was like earthly judgment and salvation. Now it's like for all eternity judgment or salvation. The ultimate judgment, the ultimate salvation. What's going on in Matthew fills up what was predicted in Isaiah. So we read, back in Matthew chapter 1, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He reversed course, right? He had decided he was going to divorce her. The angel shows up, says, that's not God's way. God's way is going the other way. And so 
He says, okay, and he reversed his course. And he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, and he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. And this is how you know that he married Mary and adopted Jesus, that he named Jesus. And he names him because he had adopted him. Because he will save his people from their sins. So, so I've been asking you, and I'm, I'm going to ask you one more time, but I'm going to ask you, if, if you have a way that you're headed, like, Matt, like Joseph did, like Ahaz did, you had a way that you're headed. And you know that God's way is a different way, that God's way is a better way, that God's way is a way of trust. God's way is a way of obedience. My question is, will you be Ahaz, who knew God's way and chose not to go that way, or will you be Joseph, who knew God's way and chose to reverse course? But just knowing God's way is not enough. Reversing course is what is called for. I uh, am terrible at directions. I'm just going to tell you, just raise my hand and be vulnerable with you. I am terrible at directions. I have, I have gone the wrong way so many times. Gone west when I should have been heading east. Like, it is so embarrassing to tell you that. And it was even more embarrassing at the time when people are laughing at me and stuff. Like, it's not, it's not like um, I went a little bit the wrong way. I went a long ways the wrong way, many times. But one time I remember I was heading back from a place in Indiana and I was supposed to go east. No, I was supposed to go west. See, I'm doing it again. I was supposed to go west on 94 and I went east on 94 and I started to see signs for Detroit and I'm like, oh man. (laughs) I went an hour the wrong way. This is, this is, of course, before directions were on your phone. This is, like, long before that. And it was just so, oh. Would I have made it better if I said, well, maybe it's better if I don't acknowledge that and I just keep going? Don't tell me. Maybe if I don't look at the map, it will get better. Maybe if I pretend not to see all the signs around me, I can live in denial a little longer and I won't have to face this. Would that have made it better? But look, I I have a propensity to do this and I think some of you have a propensity to do this in life. If I just don't acknowledge all the signs... Maybe I can live in denial a little longer and I won't have to face this. If I just don't pray about this, if I just don't look at the map, maybe I won't have to face this and it will be okay. So what we need to know if we're going to reverse course, let's talk about what we need to know if we're going to reverse course. What we need to know if we're going to reverse course is is from this text that Jesus is Emmanuel, or that Jesus is God with us. He is with us for judgment, or he's with us for salvation, 
depending on whether or not we turn to him for salvation. See, here's, here's how you can be in us. You can be in us if you come to him for the forgiveness of sins. If you can, be in, you can be forgiven and you can know he is with you for salvation if you come to him and say, I have been going the wrong way. I am wrong. So please forgive me for going my way the wrong way and, and save me from that. Forgive me for that and help me go the right way. See, he is God with us when we're looking for him and we're not, when we're not looking for him. I'm just telling you, Ahaz was not looking for him. Ahaz was just trying to be a king. He's just trying to manage a crisis. He's just trying to not be overthrown by the northern kingdom. He's just trying to not be eaten alive by the Philistines and the Edomites. He's just trying to be king. He didn't know that God was with him. Joseph was just trying to be engaged. He's just trying to be a carpenter. He's just going through life. He didn't know that God was with him in a special way. And I'm telling you, you may not know that God is with you, but he is with you for judgment or salvation. And it can be salvation if you turn to him for the forgiveness of sins. So this is, this is what it says here in verse 21. And she will bear a son, and you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Okay, so God is with us to save us from our sins. In fact, as Jesus is getting ready for, to die on the cross for our sins, he gathers his disciples and he has Passover with them one last time, and he says, let's read it in Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. I'm going to start, I guess, in verse 27. He says in verse 27 of Matthew chapter 26, And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you, for this is my, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is what it means for him to be with us. He is with us to save us from our sins. And this is what we remember every month when we receive the Lord's Supper. We remember that he is with us to forgive us our sins. So if you're going, I am too far down the road to reverse course. Is your, is your sin bigger than his blood? It is not. He can forgive you. You are not too far gone for him to forgive you. He came to save people like Ahaz that made cataclysmically bad decisions. He came to forgive their sins. Your sins are not too big for him to forgive. You might be going, but I'm too far gone. You're not too far gone for him to forgive. You might be going, but... My sins are too habitual. I've fallen into them too many times. It doesn't say anything about that. It says that he came to save his people from their sins. That's what it says. You can be saved from your sins. No matter how big, no matter how habitual, no matter how secret, 
you can be saved from your sins. So please, be saved from your sins. Turn to him for the forgiveness of sins. What it means for him to be with us is for him to forgive us of our sins. Second, what it means for him to be with us. Now for this, we need to know that right at the beginning of the book here, it says that he is Emmanuel. Doesn't it say that? He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And then what we'll see is at the end of the book. So you have the book end on one side, and then you have the book end on the other end of Matthew, chapter 28. So if, if, I mean, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but at the very end of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, the very last phrase, of course, he gives a great commission, go therefore into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And then he says, and lo, I am, I'm Emmanuel. I am with you always. I am with you. See, he is with us to help us keep moving in the right direction. He is with us to help us obey him in everything that he's commanded us. He is with us to help us stay, on mo- stay in motion on mission. He is with us to help us not get bogged down and stuck. He is with us to help us. He is with us to give us power for mission. So if you're like, I don't know, I, I kind of need to just stay in the decision, stay in the direction I'm going because... I'm too far gone or I've sinned too much. We say, no, he forgives sin. And if you're like, well, I don't know, I'm too stagnant, I can't even move anymore, we'd say, look up. He gives power to the weak and the weary. Hold the line. When you're out of strength, that's when he can lend you his. Jesus is with us to forgive our sins, to give us power for mission. And he's with us. You know, there's, there's another set of bookends. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the Holy Spirit is hovering over creation, over the waters. And at the very end of the book, all the way to the end of the Bible, if you read in Revelation chapter 21, Verse 3, and I heard a voice, a loud voice, from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is, what's that, what comes next? Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. The dwelling place of God is Emmanuel, is with you. When God comes down, and fulfills all the promises he made in his first coming. Then, he will dwell with them as Emmanuel, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And it goes on. You think of, think of the last two verses of the Bible then. 
in the next chapter in 22 where he says, did he testify to these things? He says, surely, Jesus says, I am coming soon. Come and be with us. Come and be Emmanuel. He is with us and gives us eternal hope that it will not always be like this. And Ahaz, surrounded, harassed, scared, stressed out, it will not always be like this. Joseph, where there's always going to be questions about who Jesus' dad was, it will not always be like this. And you, whatever you're going through, it will not always be like this. He is with us. He is with us. He is with us. He is with us. So, there's the way we just kind of come to on our own that we just decide on. Then there's God's way. Then there's our choice. Where we decide whether or not we will reverse course. Will you reverse course? Or you just try to ignore all the signs and keep going? What will you do? If you want cliff notes on Jesus preaching, you can find them in Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, it gives a summary of Jesus' teaching. So if you want Jesus, all of Jesus' teaching in one sentence, you can find it in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And you know what it is? It's reverse course, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Reverse course, because judgment and salvation hang in the balance. So repent. So come to him and receive the forgiveness of sins. Come to him and submit to him as Lord. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are Lord and that you call us to salvation. Lord, I pray that you would Help us reverse course and follow you. And Lord, for those who are following you and are weary in good work, Lord, that you would encourage them with resurrection hope. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.